Hello, and welcome back to Indie Author Weekly. I'm your host, romantic comedy novelist and productivity strategist, Sagan Morrow, and this is the podcast for indie authors, aspiring authors, and curious bookworms who want the inside scoop, tips and motivation, and behind-the-scenes journey of writing and self-publishing books. Now, are you curious about the different ways that you might grow as a writer and what might change along your writing journey as you publish more books? Well, that is exactly what we are going to discuss on today's episode of Indie Author Weekly. For our new and returning listeners, you can now get all Indie Author Weekly podcast episodes plus book and writing updates delivered directly to your inbox every week at saganmorrow.com slash behind the scenes. Link is in the show notes. Now let's get into this episode of the Indie Author Weekly podcast. This is a listener question from Alana, who says, looking back on how you've grown as a writer, what areas have you grown? Were they areas that you knew you needed to grow or were trying to grow? Or was the growth unexpected? Thinking about this, not only the speed and efficiency of your writing and productivity, but also dialogue, theme, setting, all the stuff. I was thinking about it when, when listening to episode 90, where you talk about how you've gotten funnier, which I totally agree with as an assessment from your first novel to your seventh, but I would be interested to hear your self-assessment on growth in other areas, and also if it just happened from writing, or what precipitated it. Alana, this is a wonderful set of questions, so thank you for asking about it. Now, a quick background about my books thus far. I published my first book, The Business of Writing and Editing, back in 2016. But because that's a nonfiction book, for the purposes of today's podcast episode, let's just focus on my fiction works. I've published seven romance novellas from 2018 to 2020, all of which are set in the same world because they are all part of the Polyamorous Passions series. They are all written in third person, and books one to three have Emma as the main character, books four to six have her friend Helen as the main character, and books seven to nine will have their friend Scarlet as the main character. I'm currently working on my eighth romance novel, which is not part of the Polyamorous Passions series. It features a brand new main character, and it's also the first time that I will be publishing a book written in the first person. So that just gives you a quick background if you are new to this podcast. You can also learn more about my published works at saganmorrow.com slash books. All right, now let's get into my response to Alana's series of questions. Today, we will explore seven areas of growth that I've experienced as a writer, plus what precipitated the growth for each of these areas and whether it was planned or unexpected. First, speed and efficiency. Now, This one is interesting because I'm actually a slower writer now than I was before. I published my first romance novella within about six weeks of coming up with the idea, whereas with my seventh romance novel, it took me nine months from start to finish. There are four reasons for this. 
Number one, my books get longer. (laughs) The more books that I write, each book seems to get longer. So book seven was almost twice as long as book one. And of course, then it is just going to take me longer to write it. The second reason is that the pandemic has simply caused everything to go at a, at a slower pace. We have so much less energy right now, um, and therefore the book writing process has just um, unfolded at a, at a slower pace. The third reason is that this past year, when I was working on my seventh romance novel, I was more focused on other areas of growing my business outside of the author side of things. And I was deliberately doing that so that I can have a stronger financial foundation to experiment a lot more with my book writing and publishing and marketing processes. So I deliberately did um, focus on other areas of my business outside of writing. And the fourth reason is that I'm taking a lot more time to think through what I want to include in the stories now. And so I'm doing more rounds of rewrites and edits compared to how I did it with my first book. And it's because of this last point, the fact that I'm basically being more thorough with my writing, this actually means that I consider it to be a growth that it takes me a bit slower to write my books nowadays. Um, And, you know, I am a productivity strategist when I'm not writing books. So it's really interesting that going at a slower pace is something I actually perceive as growth in this particular case, right? Because I'm, I'm simply being more thorough with my writing. Now, that being said, I would like more of a middle ground, you know, rather than taking six weeks or nine months to write and publish a book, I would really like to write and publish new books every quarter. That is my ideal sort of, um, writing schedule. That's that's what I plan on working towards um, in the coming years. Now, was I expecting this type of growth? No, I was not. Um, I was fully intending when I first started writing the Polyamorous Passion series, I was intending to make it my experimental series. And therefore, because this was me experimenting and, and learning and developing my writing style and my, and my storytelling abilities, I kind of figured from the start that I would just churn these books out as fast as possible. So it's been really interesting to slow down my writing pace as I've become more thorough with getting to know my characters and so on. More about that in a little bit. The second area of growth that I want to talk about is genre. When I first started writing my novels, I lumped that first novella under contemporary romance. Then I started describing my books as new adult romance. I didn't start describing them as romantic comedies until book six, I think. This goes back to what I was talking about in episodes 76 and 90 of the Indie Author Weekly podcast, where I shared about how um, a lot more humor has been added to my stories over time, and also the intricacies of writing humor. So I've really developed that over time, and therefore I've, I've had that sort of growth in terms of figuring out the genre for my books. Honestly, I find that identifying subgenres is 
an oddly challenging thing to do as an author. We are so close to our work that it become that it can be kind of tricky to pull out the nuances of one subgenre versus another. But I do think that romantic comedy is a good general descriptor for where my writing is at at this point. Was I expecting this type of growth? Well, it happened pretty organically. Um, with each book, I've learned more about my own writing style and storytelling and my, my voice and all of that. And the genre has come out of that. The third area of growth is dialogue. Now, this is a weird one because I don't think that my dialogue skills have changed too much over the course of my Polyamorous Passion series. I would be really, really curious to hear what you think about that. So if you haven't read my books yet, please go do that and then connect with me on Twitter or Instagram at SaganLives to let me know your thoughts. And I'm only kind of joking. I actually would really love for you to, to let me know what you think about this. Now, in my opinion, the reason for my dialogue abilities not experiencing that much growth is related to the fact that when I started writing these books, I thought of myself as a dialogue-heavy writer. I had it in my head that I'm really good at writing dialogue, but not very good at writing descriptions. I don't really know where this preconceived notion came from. Um, and again, maybe this is something that you reading my books would totally disagree with. But anyway, because of this thought process, I've always assumed that dialogue was one of my strengths, so I decided to focus on improving at other areas of my books. So because of that, my dialogue skills haven't really changed dramatically over the course of the seven books. Was I expecting this, you know, quote unquote, lack of growth? Well, I think I had assumed that I would naturally get a lot better at dialogue, but at the dialogue by now, without putting the effort in to get a lot better at it, if that makes sense. It's almost as though, because I haven't been concerned about my skills at dialogue in comparison to my other storytelling skills, now my dialogue skills are just leveling out. So I see that as an area for me to actively focus on building up in the future. The fourth area of growth that I want to address today is theme. When I started writing novels, my main interest or concern as the author was, okay, here's my character. Here's what they are dealing with. Let's get this story on paper. Nowadays, though, I actually really love searching for the themes after the first draft or two. This is a super cool aspect of doing more rewrites than I used to do. So sometimes I will write a full draft of a story and not even really and not really know what the themes are. And then, you know, as I'm working on the next draft of the story, I will notice, I will see the same theme cropping up again and again that I had sort of subconsciously written into it. And from there, I can so much more fully flesh out the themes, right? So this doesn't really happen if you only do a couple of drafts of your story and then publish it, right? Like if you if you really do a lot more rewrites, you can really fully develop all of those themes. And the more that I write, the more books that I write, the more easily I can identify themes that I wasn't even expecting. 
For example, when I first decided to write my upcoming rom-com, Small Town Stilettos, I had no idea it would be about grief. That was not, that was not a theme that I was planning to explore. But when I wrote the very first page of the first draft, it became immediately apparent to me that the grieving process is actually a very important theme of the story. So it's kind of neat that I'm now getting to the point where I can identify key themes a lot faster and then build on them. Whereas in my first couple of books, theme wasn't something I actively focused on or couldn't necessarily easily identify. Was I expecting this type of growth? Well, yes and no. I knew it was something that I wanted to get better at, but I was almost worried about being too heavy-handed with it for a long time. So I think that my confidence as a writer and as a storyteller has really helped with this. The fifth area of growth that I have experienced is setting. I don't know what this says about me, (laughs) but the setting isn't generally a priority with my writing where it hasn't historically been a priority with my writing. I am fascinated by what my characters are thinking about and feeling and their reactions. So the setting is a secondary piece. It's not that I don't think about setting. It's just that, again, historically, as with theme, it has happened at more of a subconscious level. And that has actually been really beneficial because of what comes out of it. For example, the recurring settings in Polyamorous Passions are places like Emma's apartment and the coffee shop wine bar where the three main characters hang out. Having one of those as a neutral ground and a public place shifts the dynamic of how the conversation unfolds compared to when they're in the privacy or intimacy of Emma's comfortable home curled up with her cat. In my next rom-com, Small Town Stilettos, the setting is really important. The entire story is about a city girl moving to a tiny town. So it's fascinating to play with setting as an influential part of the story, whereas previously, you know, it, it wasn't something that I was deliberately planning. Was I expecting this type of growth? No, I was not, probably because I've never worried too much about setting before. The setting itself wasn't something that piqued my interest for a long time, but the more that I write and the more that I see how my characters shift their mannerisms and conversations and so on from one setting to the next, the more that I want to explore it a lot more as a nuanced element of each story. The sixth area of growth that I have experienced is with characters. When I wrote my first book, The characters that I was writing were very clear in my head as to who they were in that present moment. I wasn't too concerned about their past and what led them to a particular, to that sort of particular moment, right? So I wasn't too concerned about what happened to them before the book began. That has changed a lot. (laughs) So one of my favorite parts about book seven is the way that I really got to know the main character, Scarlet, so well over the course of planning and writing the story. So in my early books, if a character did something that I didn't expect, I would kind of shrug and just sort of figure, you know what, they know what they're doing. I'm just going to let them do this. Nowadays, if a character does something that seems unusual, I go digging 
I take a step back to get to know the character better, and then they unfold their backstory for me. I think that this provides for richer storytelling when we, as the author, really get inside our characters' heads. This, by the way, is a big part of the reason why I decided to write um, in the first person for my upcoming rom-com, Small Town Stilettos. It has been one of the most incredible experiences to really get into the main character's head and to understand all of the nuances of her personality. I actually love writing in the first person so much, and it is something I definitely want to do more of in the future. I find it's... um, yeah, you just you really step into their into their head so much more. So my growth in writing characters has definitely been pre- precipitated by me getting to know my individual characters on a deeper level. Um, and, you know, again, like in previous books, I would let my characters do their own thing. I was trusting them. I was trusting myself, but I wasn't digging further, right? I wasn't really digging to figure out, okay, I understand that they are just doing this and that's okay and it's it's part of who they are, but I wasn't as concerned about, okay, but why? What did lead them to this point? Whereas now I'm really curious about all of that. So again, that's really, it, um, it helps the story be much richer when I know, even if I don't include it in the story, right? Even if I don't get into all of the background details, um, it, it almost makes you a more, confident writer and it it adds an underlying level of nuance to the storytelling that might otherwise not have happened. So was I expecting this type of growth? You know, I really wasn't, not at first. It didn't hit home just how much I've improved on this until I was working on book seven. And it's also really shining through on the book that I'm currently writing. The last area of growth that I want to address is plot. I tend to be more character driven with my stories than plot driven. This is why that last section of growth on character development has been such an important factor in my growth as a writer and storyteller. But of course, the plot is also really, really important. I would say that I've gotten better at fleshing out the plot of my stories over the course of my books partly because it's easier to market them that way. For example, book seven in my Polyamorous Passions series tells the story of Scarlett trying to save her burlesque business from bankruptcy and how she needs to win a dance competition. And I think that concept pulls in potential readers more easily than something like the premise of book one, when Emma is realizing that she identifies as polyamorous in the process of dating two men, right? So with Scarlett, it's about the dance competition. It's about financial difficulties and her sort of going through that. It's the the plot is is a central piece that's easier to pull out. Whereas in book one, it was so much more of the internal journey driving driving the whole story, um, that it makes it more difficult to talk about it, right? To, to promote it effectively. So developing the plot is, in my experience, much more marketable than focusing on character growth. Um, it seems to be something that, that readers or potential readers are more interested in in grabbing onto, right? Um, The internal 
character journeys and experiences can absolutely be a super important part when you even when you have a plot-based story but from the marketing angle talking more about the plot than the character growth seems to be more of a more effective so this is something that I specifically did decide to develop in my more recent books right to really like play with the marketing to try to get better at marketing my books Um, and as such Plot is an area of growth that I was absolutely expecting, and I'm really pleased with how much I've grown as a storyteller with it. I anticipate that this is an area where I will continue to grow a lot in my upcoming books. Okay, so that covers all of the main, you know, subsections of growth that I think I've experienced. Speed and efficiency, genre, dialogue, theme, setting, characters, and plot. Do you want me to elaborate on any of these? Or is there another specific area that you want me to talk more about? Connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at SaganLives to chat about it. You know, doing this kind of self-assessment of our growth can be really valuable. The more that we understand about our books, the more that we grow, and the more that we improve as writers and storytellers. But, and, I also want to caution us when we are doing this, because with self-assessments, we don't have any distance from our work. It's always going to be difficult for us to be impartial in our assessment of our own growth. That is one of the things that I love about seeing reviews of my books, especially by readers who have been reading my books right from the beginning. Those readers are going to probably be able to assess my progress in a very different way than I can because I am in the thick of it. I'm so close to my work, so I can't really have that sort of objective, unbiased view of it. This is also why I am super curious if you, listening to this podcast, have differing opinions on my growth as a writer. Do you agree with my own assessment or do you have other thoughts? I would love to hear what you think. The final note I want to make today is that you will notice a pattern with a lot of my assessment of my own growth, and that pattern is this. Much of the growth has occurred organically. As I mentioned earlier, I really wanted my Polyamorous Passion series to be my experimental series, where I could try things out and see what comes from it and the type of response it gets from readers so that I could focus on on specific areas of improvement and really hone in on my voice and style over time. And that is exactly what has happened. I think that's pretty cool. This method of writing will not work for every author, but I like that it's taken the pressure off of me and I think it's also helped to take my ego out of the equation because I've approached my writing from that experimental angle. Trying it out to see what works, what feels good, what readers like or don't care as much about, and so on. This has enabled me to now get to the point of having a better idea of specifically what I want to focus on improving so that I can step more fully into my voice and style. Regardless of how we approach writing and publishing books, or really doing anything in our personal or professional lives, I encourage you to look at it always as a growth opportunity. I've said it before and I will say it again. My main goal as a writer and really as a human being is to be better than I was before. 
The most important marker of success to me as an author is when each book I write is better than the previous one. When I experience growth from every single book. And if I can let you in on a secret, it's really fun and really fulfilling to to approach it from that perspective. Okay, my friend, that's a wrap for today's episode of Indie Author Weekly. Access the show notes for this episode, including all links and additional resources at saganmorrow.com slash podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please take two minutes to rate and review Indie Author Weekly on Apple Podcasts. I really appreciate your support. Until next week, this is Sagan Morrow signing off the Indie Author Weekly Podcast.